Let's go focus. Breathe. Now pull the thing up. Go, 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 go. Up. You've got it, Rawdon. You've got it. Stand. Stand up. Very good. Hello and welcome to Under the Bar. This is the Clean Health Podcast, episode number three. Come on. Mm, come on. Uh, this podcast is all about providing an insight into the training and nutritional systems that we use at Clean Health Personal Training to, uh, to build muscle and burn body fat. That's become kind of awesome. What, it's kind of what we do. We like to give an insight into that on this podcast every week. My name is Tom Hewitt. With me spitballing this week and every week, mm. of course, is the uh, Clean Health Club manager, Rawdon Dubois. Rawdon, how are your cortisol levels pre-show? They're quite good today, actually. No doubt they'll uh, they'll inflate. Well, I mean, you stage. do want some elevated yeah. cortisol while you're doing the show. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. But then uh, I wanted to. Uh, and then we sort of tape it down. Tape it maybe down. have some magnesium yep. post show. Bit just of PS, hospital serene. Of course, a calm little. the central nervous mm. system to a certain degree. Yep. A big show coming up. Monster, um, you could call it, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Once that will get up and bite you. Yes. Exercise of the week. We're having a look at unilateral rowing and pulling and yep. all its variations. All its glory. Yes. Mm. Uh, the superfood of the week. We're having a look at fiber. Mm. It's very much a misunderstood nutrient. Yes. And uh, off the back of our little discussion last week, we thought we'd delve a little deeper into the benefits of fiber yep. and its role in a healthy gut ecology. The lack thereof in uh, society these days. A training program, program of the week on the program this week. The program will be uh, wave loading. So we're looking at a, a method for developing relative strength. Strength. That's a bit of a maybe a strength focus this week. A Tom. little bit of a, a strength focus on the show this week. And in fact, uh, that will become even clearer when we introduce our very special guest on the program program this week, uh, Sebastian Oreb. He's yeah. the, the owner of Australian Strength Bass. Coach, and uh, he's one of the. Just trying to think off the top of my head if, if I actually know personally a stronger human all round in the gym. I, I'm not really sure if I do. I don't know. Has Dane come close? Uh, <laughs> he's got some decent lifts, but uh, I think Baz has got him covered. Supplement of the week, creatine. Creatine, And yeah. the benefits that that Good has. Good for strength. For strength training. Yeah. And a whole lot of extra stuff coming your way. If you'd like to join the program, you certainly can. You can email us at podcast at cleanhealth.com. .au, and we've actually had a couple of emails during the week. We might even get to those right now, uh, Rawdon, if you've yeah, got a couple papers. of questions. A couple of questions have come uh, in uh, far away. Okay, so someone asked uh, in regards to fish oil supplementation or any omega-3 supplementation, but fish oil, GLA, CLA, any of these sort of fat supplements that you can take, do you factor that in in your fat intake for the day, or is it just a... You know, you just take your supplementation. Fair I, question. Yeah, fair question. I guess it it all depends on you know how much you're prescribing for the uh, for the client or how much you're taking if you are the client. If it is in the early phases of a particular programming block, and you're you're an individual that does have a high body fat percentage, and you want to u- use the benefits uh, of omega three supplementation, you might have quite a high uh, initial dose of, of omega-3 or fish oil up in the vicinity of sort of 20 grams a day initially and then that will taper off so if you were factoring 20 grams plus a day then you might want to be aware of, of that fat intake but I do calculate it in for my competitors it will be a, a, a calculated part of their uh, intake for the day calorie wise but generally I would say no 
I, yeah. I wouldn't actually include it in the um, give it caloric value although it is fat and it does have caloric value for sure generally it's only going to be a, a few grams a day anyway and unless it's a competitor or someone in the final stage of, of prep I, I wouldn't worry too much about including that in your in your macro breakdown for the day very good if you do have a question that you'd like to run past Rawdon or myself please feel free to email podcast at cleanhealth.com.au Rawdon, the week that was, it's been another interesting week around the CHPC as it always is. Had to have one of these funny conversations with one of my clients earlier in the week. She's uh, been a client in the past and actually competed on stage. Little lids. Lids, yeah. Little lids. A lovely little thing to have around the gym. Very full of energy. Full of energy, very friendly and bubbly. Had her competition look great on stage. Maybe uh, her uh, stage presence let her down a little bit. A little bit her, yeah. I was at that comp. She looked, she looked great. Yeah, her physique came up really nicely. She's well proportioned and... Um, Good aesthetics. Very aesthetically pleasing. Anyway, she um, went and did her own thing. Did some snowboarding, you know, chilled out. Yep. All that kind of stuff. Got back into training on her own and hurt her back. Ooh. After that, she's really hasn't been able to get into any serious training rhythm. So she trained for a little while. It would flare up again. She wasn't able to. And then she's yeah. put on body fat. She's got out of shape for her. And yeah. she came back in to start training with me again. And I assumed when I saw that she was coming in that she wanted to prep for a comp again. But yeah. um, once she sort of explained her situation, her primary goal was just to get back in, get into some sort of training rhythm where she could continue to train without flaring up her back. Yeah. and uh, get back into shape so she feels you know nice and lean and, and like yeah. lids again so very simple she's been training for three weeks now I just wrote a standard corrective GBC yeah, nice. program which we discussed a couple yep. of weeks ago on the show no loading of the spine so all uh, dumbbell work unilateral leg work back awesome. extensions yep. all that kind of basic stuff and started her with a fruit and vegetable cleanse for one of, yeah. of a better term basically just a ton of fruits and veggies no animal proteins just some branch chain amino acids and that's sort of to reset the system at the start just cleanse just to cleanse just to repopulate good gut health set a baseline to then reintroduce proteins and carbohydrates to all that kind of stuff anyway she felt great doing that she's back into a, i think the third week of training and uh, she was in on monday and she's like you know i'm feeling feeling really good like i'm getting yeah. leaner already i feel great and see i'm thinking about competing again <laughs> and i was like awesome liz that's wonderful you know what are you thinking october it's like oh what and I sort of had to say look we could probably do it yeah. if we had a gun to our head we could probably get you up on stage in eight weeks but to be fair you're eating i think 1800 on a rest day 2000 calories on a training day so we're just struggling to eat all that food yeah so we don't have a huge metabolic base to start with would you have the metabolic capacity to get lean enough would it be healthy for you we haven't even done a squat or a deadlift yet would you back yeah, hold out tough. maybe not would it be the rewarding experience that you would like it to be yeah possibly not would you look better than you did last time? Almost certainly not. Yeah. So let's take the rest of the year, build you up, put on a ton yeah. of muscle, work on those weak body parts, get your get baseline calories nice right up, get that back strong, come back next year, have a look at the shows early on in the year, we can get you you know, super lean with a lot of condition and that would be the, the best bet to go in my opinion. Yeah, no, 100%. And, and I think it really... To have a coach that, that actually tells their client that, you know, I think that's the sign of a good coach is to say, well, 
you know, I'm not going to take your money and say, yeah, get you on stage, eight weeks, nah, you look pretty good, go for it. Be honest with them, you know, tell them that uh, an off-season where you can develop that that sound base and, and put some some nice quality muscle, which then you can peel all the fat off and present. Because at the end of the day, you know, being a competitor myself, Tom, you know, the whole idea is, well, I think, is to improve each time you get on stage. You ask a pro bodybuilder, anyone in the you know, who get uh, paid professionally to do it. They don't get on stage to be the same as last time or, or worse than last time. They get on stage to be better than last time and improve each time. Yeah. And there lies the challenge. And, and, you know, I guess people say, why do people compete? For me, if you were to ask why I compete, it's always to improve on what I presented that first time around. It's like, okay, I'm going to bring up this body part. I can't wait to see the finished product. And it's almost a, you know, a work in progress. You know, it's, a, it's almost like an artwork. You know, you get out there and say, hey, this is the latest version of me you know and you get judged accordingly but it's interesting yeah like I uh, 2008 actually prepped and it was a big prep six month prep and I went and saw there was a it wasn't my coach but it was the guy that coached me the first time around in 2007 and I I won my division in 2007 and 2008 you know hungry second time around let's do it ton of work and um, I saw my coach well my friend slash coach uh, at about four weeks out and he pretty much said to me what you said to Lids, except I'd got to four weeks of the finish line. Yeah. It was a good six months, uh, you know, 16, uh, 18 weeks prep, you know, plus. Um, it was a big, big prep. And uh, and at four weeks out, you know, he said, look, I don't think you're going to be better than last time. You can get on stage for sure. I think yeah. you're almost ready, but it's not going to be sharper than what you were last time. Maybe a little bit bigger, but softer. And, you know, I said, okay, that's fine. Took his advice kept tight over Christmas this was in September tight over Christmas came in hard from the start of the year and I competed in uh, May the following year in 2009 and then I went on to win my division and overall Overall. that was my big claim to fame but yeah same thing for me like I I was told yeah you could but it's not going to be the best version of you so I had to cop that on the chin even though I prepped for six months you know it was pretty tough but then just back to the drawing board you know did essentially what you're going to do with lids and then came in you know better than ever the the in 2009 so yeah it happens exercise of the week oh, yeah. and we're having a look at uh, unilateral pull or row which is used for back building and back strengthening I guess unilateral movements aren't necessarily going to put 15 kilos on your bench press no. magically overnight, but it will. these movements will increase your range of motion. They will en- enhance your structural balance. Yep. They will awaken little activating muscles that may otherwise lie dormant yeah. uh, and transfer and carry over into those big strength movements further down the track. Yeah, definitely. Um, I guess doing unilateral movements setting up a I guess you've got a horizontal pull and a vertical pull you know the chin up or pull up would be a vertical pull bent over road more of a horizontal pull so uh, a single arm pull down might be a a unilateral pull so reaching up uh, a cable attachment on the the pull down machine or you know your cables uh, and pulling down uh, a d-handle down to the to the ribs would be some sort of vertical pull and then uh, an example of a, a horizontal pull might be a bend over single arm dumbbell row. Precisely. Um, but you, you know, I guess again we're talking about uh, introducing to the listeners, you know, the the foundation uh, movements uh, from which you then you're going to build up to those 
barbell bent over rows, the pendle rows, and all these bigger bang for your buck type movements, a bit, a bit more meaty, but you need to learn to walk before you can run, you know? And um, the beauty of the unilateral row, less load, so you're not loading up uh, as much through the upper uh, thoracic, you're pulling dumbbells or a cable, so good in that regard. But when you think about it, like a, a rowing movement for the average punter should be in more so than a, than a pressing movement because everyone's so heavily internally rotated sitting at a laptop or driving a car eating food Hunched Every, over. Yeah, everything we do is is internally rotating and, and rolling the shoulders forward contracting yeah. through the what we call the upper thoracic or the upper back so really when you're programming and periodizing your, your program for your clients you should really think about more back movements than, than, than what you will pressing movements yeah. uh, or pushing movements because 90% of the day they're, they're well, not that much obviously they go to sleep too but for some it might be 90% of the day but they're you know rolling forward at the laptop working away so you know every opportunity you want to try and pull the, the shoulder blades back and, and strengthen the musculature of the upper back and that's where your your horizontal row uh, is really going to pay dividends and so with these pulling motions of course we're using the the big back muscles the lats yep. you've got yep. some rhomboids working your lower traps so not kind of hunching up into that, you know... Trap one through the top there, through the upper back. Yeah, where they sort of hunch at the desk. You want to set that shoulder right back and open yeah. up your chest and pull with those big back muscles. And even to stabilize yourself on a bench and set up that really secure platform and base, you'll use some erector spine. Yeah. Your obliques and your abs have to tighten and yeah, keep yeah. the torso yeah, tight. Core in a unit has to lock in and stabilize. If you think about it also, Tom, it is really something that we, we spoke about deadlifting and when we talked about it later on, I'm sure he's going to talk about you know his favorite movements being the, the, the back squat, the bench press and the deadlift. But all those movements, you really can't do them unless you have that integrity through the upper back and that strength to stabilize through the scapula. You're really going to hurt yourself if you don't have that ability. And that's where programming the rowing and, and you can even, you know, if you are with the client or you're with your coach, you know, even just palpating between the shoulder blades and... and I guess increasing that awareness of the client and they can sort of feel the, the stabilization through the scap and then the row, the stabilization and row. So yeah, it's um, unilateral movement, variations that you can do like we described, uh, single arm dumbbell work, uh, cable. On the seated row using the cable you can yep. have a rotary row where you actually twist the torso with the rowing yep. motion as well. When you go to the dumbbells, you can use an arc movement and really yep. scoop the dumbbell back towards the hip. and Pronated grip, neutral grip. All kinds of different grips. Grip. And look, apart from the structural balance benefits, you can put on a fair bit of mass and thickness through Definitely. the upper back with, with dumbbell rowing. The yeah. thing about dumbbell rowing, you can use a, a reasonably heavy load, but get some reps out and really yeah. uh, flood the upper back with a lot of work. And from a, a body composition perspective, I guess one thing with unilateral movements is once you've done one arm, you have to then go and, of course, do the other arm. So yeah. the, the time under tension for the amount of time you're actually exercising goes through the roof as well. Definitely. So it is quite a bank-for-buck movement. You can jump onto our website, cleanhealth.com.au forward slash podcast. We might put up a little video of a couple of little uh, yeah. single-arm rowing variations. Maybe so you a can... uh, bikini model or something doing one. <laughs> <laughs> You can log on there and, uh, and have a look at how the movement is performed. Oh yes, the superfood of the week. You're listening to Under the Bar. It's the Clean Health Podcast. A little bit of noise from a busy cafe in the background. We do Vivo. broadcast out of the Eagle Waves radio studios, which are located in Vivo Cafe 
on uh, George Street. Thanks to Ange for having us in here. Thanks to Cam for pushing the buttons for us. Seamless. Seamless. Pushing of the button. Very, Very good professional. Pushing. Yes. Fibre, we've mentioned it a couple of times already in the program, very misunderstood nutrient. And in fact, it is the missing nutrient in a lot of nutrition worldwide, really, particularly in the Western world, Yeah, uh, getting quality dietary fibre. What are they um, suggesting that the Western diet, you know, average 20 grams a day or something, which is, is yeah. you know, you know it's I not guess, much. I guess back in the Paleolithic times, they were eating almost 200 grams of fibre a day. And yeah. that's a point to make, Rodan. I mean... Paleo nutrition, it's a term that gets bandied around. Yeah. I think people pigeonhole it as a certain way of eating, and I guess in a sense it is. Mm. But there was Paleolithic man near the ocean. He might eat a lot of seafood. Yeah. There was Paleolithic man on the plains, probably mm. eat a lot of red meat, yeah. a lot of animals and stuff. All these different kinds had one major thing in common, and that was a huge amount of dietary fiber. Yeah. Heaps of plants and vegetables, and essentially dietary fiber is found in the plants that we eat. It's parts of the plants that don't actually break down in the stomach. Undigestible. And pass through the system undigested. There are two types of fiber, soluble and insoluble. Both are important. To give you a bit of an idea of both, soluble is a kind of fiber which absorbs water and Mm. it creates somewhat of a gel. So this kind of fiber slows down digestion. It slows down the emptying of the stomach. Examples of soluble fiber would be oatmeal, lentils, apples, pears, yeah. flax seeds, psyllium husk. And for those of you who've had uh, psyllium husk or some sort of fiber like that, you put that in a glass with some water and it, it gels and it thickens oh, yeah. up very, very quickly. Yeah. If, the, if the, phone ring, <laughs> the phone rings mid-psyllium oh, yeah. husk, you back you to the down drawing the hatch. board, tip that out. And well, you try again. and chew it. Yeah, a few chomps and it'll go down the hatch. So that's, uh, that's soluble fiber. You'll know insoluble fiber uh, doesn't have that absorption quality it it doesn't dissolve in water and it passes straight through the gastrointestinal tract so it's it actually quickens digestion and examples of insoluble fiber would be wheat wheat grains uh, seeds nuts brown rice all those dark leafy leafy veggies stuff like that yeah and i guess the the i mean what is fiber doing it's a, a prebiotic they call it and i guess it's passing undigested but but it does to a degree get digested by the bacteria in the stomach precisely so if you're wondering why the fiber like what's actually happening i mean the the benefit is it is actually providing you know fuel for the for the bacteria so that bacteria that you have in your large intestine is getting it's getting fed basically so it can produce the short chain fatty acids which um you know, are then going to go on to have a, a myriad of health benefits for the body. But yeah, that's what you need to think about is, is providing fuel for the trillions and trillions. Remember, 10 trillion cells uh, in the human body, but in the bacteria, it's 100 trillion. So it, they outweigh the, the human body, you know, 10 to 1. So yeah. you want to give them a bit, of, a bit of fuel, definitely. So, mate, how much fiber would you recommend people out there take and how would they source that? Well, I mean, depending on where you uh, read the, the literature, it will vary. Um, but it's the type of thing, if you are increasing your fiber intake, you don't sort of take, you know, boom, 50 grams. You're having sort of pretty much zero w- with your processed foods and whatnot. Then you go, oh, okay, I'm going to take some fiber. 
you know, eat a ton of vegetables, eat a ton of fruit, and then um, you know, take a, a supplemental fiber up to your 50 plus a day, you will know about it and you will have a, quite a bit of bloating yep. and discomfort. But be aware that you might have some bloating and discomfort initially uh, until your, your body sort of adjusts and a sort of seven to day sort of transition period, but then the, the ecology should be working better. Use of a probiotic as well was probably a good idea. Send the bacteria down and then uh, feed it with the fiber. But yeah, you, you want to let the body adjust to it. So start small and then increase the dosages up. So yeah, about 50 grams a day. Food-wise, you're looking at a few pieces of fruit, some sweet potatoes, a good source of uh, fiber there. And so you might have a, you know, a couple of serves of uh, sweet potato you know, post-workout, some fruit throughout the day, and obviously your vegetables are going to have fibers there. So a mix of soluble and insoluble fiber, ideally. But it really is not that hard to, um, if you're eating a, a ton of... Uh, good food you know your vegetables and fruits and um you know some of your your sweet potato brown rice that type of stuff it's not that hard to get that 50 grams a day we've got a very special guest on the program coming up shortly uh, Sebastian. very special Oreb from Australian Strength Coach will be in here to talk about strength training and we thought for our program of the week we would have a look at a, a protocol for enhancing relative strength so it's not something that you could give to a, a beginner someone who's very very new to the gym but once someone's developed a reasonable amount of neural efficiency then yeah. this particular technique we're talking about could be very effective at developing their relative strength what I'm talking about is wave loading apart from being effective uh, for developing strength it's very mentally engaging as well it, yeah it's, it's sort of fun it is fun how would you uh, how would you describe it Rodden? I guess um, wave loading first, uh, I will say it's probably my go-to for, uh, for my first strength programming for, for a client. So when I've uh, laid down that foundation of the GBC, depending on what their goal is, um, usually I'll use a periodization where a macro cycle of what we call undulating periodization. So we'll go through uh, more of a volume type phase than into a, a more of an intensification or intensity. And that intensity is where that relative strength work or the strength training will fall into that block yep. of training. Yep. How would I describe it? Well, it's uh, usually there would be, it's a program where you would have a certain number of sets. So usually, I guess your staple wave load might be a, for example, a seven, five, and a three type wave load and then what it is is actually six sets of a, of a particular movement it can be in a superset so you might have a1 and a2 six sets of each but basically the first uh, wave of seven reps then the second set would be five reps and then the third set would be three reps mm-hmm. and then the fourth would be back up to seven reps fifth five and sixth three again and that 753, 753 wave load is basically uh, a method where you're priming the central nervous system. And that relative strength work that you spoke about, Tom, is, is really influenced by the nervous system more so than the muscular adaptation. And it's more of a, of a central nervous system type workout. So you're becoming, you're priming the nervous system, if you will. So the yeah. seven reps, okay, it's waking up. The five reps, okay, yeah, this is pretty heavy. Shit's getting serious. Three reps, bang, okay, game on. And then you, you take a bit of a reprieve. You take a step back. You're back up to the seven. Hopefully the second wave, you're hitting a higher number than what you did on the first seven. Then you're, you're back in the game with that five reps. Again, hitting a higher number in weight. 
than that first wave of five and then that final uh, three reps that you're going to do on set six that's when you're going to hit the pb and uh, knock it out of the park yeah. so nervous system should be nice and agitated uh, by that time so when you're talking about the nervous system, Rawdon, when there's a heavy implement in front of you and you're about to pick it up, your brain has to, to send a message through the central nervous system out to all your little muscle fibers to yeah. recruit them, to get them to, to fire, to cope with this big load. Synchronizing everything to, yeah. to fire at once. And coordinate yeah. the movement so that it's, yeah. it, you know, it can execute under a, a heavy weight. And I guess as someone gets stronger, that process yeah. of brain through central nervous system to muscle fiber is what they're trying to, to train, to train yeah. that that system to be really really efficient and wave learning is i guess based off a concept called post titanic facilitation which essentially is that process using a heavy weight to prime the central nervous system and then cashing in on the benefits of that so mm. once you've done three reps at a certain load if you were doing the say a 753 wave load like you yeah. described three reps is a very heavy weight very you then go back to a weight which you can push for seven and it feels like a feather Walk in the park those first couple of reps that you yeah. that you punch out so the seven second time round, like you said, will be able to cope with a heavier load yeah. on that second seven. Yeah, and I guess uh, seven five three were just a, a few reps that we threw out there, but eight yes. six four is a great one. You know, you can actually we mentioned it with relative strength, not to confuse uh, the listener, but but you can actually use it. For, it's great for hypertrophy too, and adds a dynamic to hypertrophy. All we do is increase the reps and reduce the the rest period. So yeah. with a seven five three wave load. You're looking at a, a decent rest period between each of those sets, Tom, because with relative strength work and that, that um, nervous system work, intensification phase, you want to think about, you know, sure, the body will feel like it's ready to go, but that synchronization and that, that uh, recruiting all those muscle fibers to fire at that one time, that requires quite a bit of uh, effort from the, from the brain. So yeah. you really need to let the brain recover. recover. You know, it is one of those workouts where you will actually, you know, be criticized for all your gas bag in between sets and, you know, flicking at uh, Facebook on the phone. But, you know, the thing is, you, you, you do, probably not Facebook, but you, you do want to, um, that downtime and, and really let that nervous system develop. And the really funny thing is, is you'll be able to pick your client because they'll be the one with poor nervous system activation in that, that young training age. They're the one, you know, 10 seconds later they go alright let's go 5 again Yeah, yeah. Oh, come on let's go oh, let's do the 3 I'm ready to go it's yeah. like no you should be taking 2.5 to 3 minutes you shouldn't in no way shape or form be ready to go yet so that's another telltale sign that the, the training age and their nervous system is very young yeah when we get to Sebastian on, we might ask him his, uh, his spin on no. wave loading. With, with, no doubt he would use it a lot. He would love the wave load. All sorts of different variations. Yeah. Whether it, it doesn't have to be 753, it could be 6-4, yeah. uh, it could be 4-2, 4-2, 4-2, 3 yeah, exactly. 2 one, wh- whichever combination you it like. It could be six waves, 12 sets of uh, madness, 2-1 wave <laughs> yeah. loading. That's yeah. uh, pretty horrific. We'll put up an example of a wave load program, which you can download from our website, cleanhealth.com au forward slash podcast go there enter your details and download the program and get access to all the other stuff and bits Juicy. and bods that we talk about on the on the show that's the program of the week well i know this is one of your favorite times each wednesday rawdon oh, yes. you, uh, you really look forward to uh, the easy eating oh, yeah. uh, segment where we mm. get to uh, pick the load yeah the secret load yeah it's tricky this week tom uh, easy eating of course uh, the sponsors of under the bar the clean health podcast and if you're sick and tired of the the boredom and the chores of, it, of, of cooking every day preparing Ew. all your meals and all that faffing about then there's an easier way 
you can go to easyeating.com.au and have a look at their meal plans. Basically, they are a meal service. They provide uh, fresh food. Fresh. Twice a week. Twice a week, and uh, all your meals are taken care of. You can pick the amount of protein that you want in each meal, and you can select a uh, salad or veggies or various yeah. things to go with it. And uh, on the show, we do give away a seven-day clean health starter pack, yeah. valued around about uh, 160 bucks. so you can get a, a sample, and don't worry about cooking for a week and, uh, yep. and eat super clean. And what we do is we give you the chance to win this. You have to... Uh, well, you've got to have your wits about you with the secret live because we, we only play it twice. You know, mm. Thrice, maybe, if you're lucky, but only yeah. we just play it twice. Well, we've got to be in the mood to play it thrice. Yeah. We haven't been yet. No. It's just been twice. Maybe this week. And we, we try and throw you off the scent a little bit mm. with this. So what we've got, we've got a bar. We've put some weight on it. Mm. And your job is to figure out how heavy this bar is when we drop it from a height yeah. and let it crash. From a lofty height. Here is, uh, here is the, secret, uh, the secret load. More tinny than last week. A Strange. A little bit tinny. Wonder what yeah. sort of bar that is. Yeah. Looks like a, it sounds like a thick bar. Mm, possibly, quite possibly. Mm. We should have a, one more listen. Mm. It's, very, it's almost as if we don't want anyone to win this. Ew. Very hard, this comp. So uh, have a think about how heavy you think that bar is and send your answer through to podcast at cleanhealth.com.au. First correct or First closest? correct or closest to uh, before we do the next show, we'll uh, win that, all that uh, lovely food. All that fresh food from uh, Easy Eating. From Mikey down at Easy Eating. Oh, yes. Well, uh, Rawdon, it's been a pretty strong show thus far, I think. Yeah. We've covered a fair bit of territory, and I've got a, a sneaking suspicion that perhaps things are going to get a whole lot stronger. Stronger and uh, I think you'll agree more serious. A bit more serious. You're listening mm. to Under the Bar. This is the Clean Health Podcast. Our uh, big bad guest on mm. this episode is Sebastian Oreb. He's actually a, a very pleasant fellow. I he is. Say. Sebastian is the owner of Australian Strength Coach. And I guess he's the owner of a couple of cheeky little powerlifting records as well, just quietly. Yep. And I suppose Sebastian is best known for his feats in the powerlifting arena. Yep. Uh, and certainly the man can squat, bench and deadlift. Uh, some pretty significant numbers but from Very my perspective it's the methodical aptitude at all squat and deadlift variations yeah. it's the dumbbell work the pulling yep. the overhead pressing yep. well, I might just go and grab the 60s yeah. so I think really first and foremost he is a strength athlete then you chuck on top of that the fact that he presents he educates yeah. he consults the coaching he's a real yeah. strength training enthusiast uh, if you ever actually hear him uh, present or uh, privileged at being in any of his seminars you the passion is uh, and the delivery is second to none Sebastian thank you for your time mate and welcome to the show thank you for having me <laughs> now this introduction I was waiting for the the, the key point here which was uh, the, the best looking strength coach in the mm, country yes. uh, I didn't hear that uh, uh, well, actually I received a note from management pre-show yes. and I was instructed to introduce you as the second best yeah. strength coach mm. in, uh, in mm. Australia what do you, what do you I'm like? not sure if I agree but um, <laughs> anyway I'm pretty sure you've got him covered <laughs> <laughs> Dane won't hear this, so <laughs> it's, it's fine, mate. Yeah. You know. Who's Dane? Who? Someone who owns Clean Health, that's all. <laughs> so, mate, how did, how did it all get started for you? Where did you develop your passion for strength training, and how did you create the Australian Strength Coach? It's a funny thing because uh, I've actually been discussing this with a number of people. A lot of people have been asking me this question kind of in the last year. Where it all began, uh, you may or may not know my wife. She's the creator of an Instagram kind of social media phenomena, yeah. uh, Base Body Babes, up and coming uh, female training group. 
And uh, anyway, so that's my wife. And about 13 years ago when I met her, I was a skinny little dweeb. <laughs> and she uh, kind of said to me, you know, can you go and lift some weights? I kind of want to be with a guy that's uh, <laughs> Is that a, l- right? a little bit bigger. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so <laughs> she created a monster. Oh, a monstrous monster. So from there, yeah, I just that's just my nature. I'm a fanatic with whatever I start. And, uh, and here we are. Would you consider yourself a strength athlete first? Well... It's kind of exactly what I consider myself as, uh, as an athlete, a strength athlete that just so happens to have done a powerlifting competition and uh, gone well at it. I, I consider myself a strength athlete before a powerlifter. If you know my training, and I know a lot of you guys do, it's very different to a typical powerlifting methodology. Yeah. And I quite like it, and uh, the people that train with me quite like it as well. Yeah. Before we get into the technicalities of all this, what are your, your three max comp lifts, mate? In competition... Actually, this year I haven't competed, but in competition, my best lifts are 250kg squat, 195kg bench press, and a 300kg deadlift. That was all last year. This year, I haven't put those down on paper because I haven't competed. I've got a lot on, but yeah. uh, I dare say I'll be beating those. I always like to hear predictions. What are you hoping uh, next time around, mate? Well, the big goal is to get an 800kg total uh, raw, which the breakdown of that would be... 275 squat, Ooh, yeah. 315 deadlift, mm. and 210 kilogram bench press. Ooh. And I'm not far off those numbers. I'm not just spitting them out. Yeah. I set a number and I achieve it. Yep. Uh, people that know me know I'm not all talk, and uh, that's the number. 800 total coming up. Respectable. <laughs> Made the hair on the back of my neck stand yeah. up. Me yeah, too, me good. too, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Sebastian, at Clean Health, a focus that we have for our clients, I mean, they come into us to get into shape, right? Yeah. And over a 12-week period, I guess our primary goal as a coach is to get them balanced and mobile so that they can bench press, squat, and deadlift mm-hmm. because we know that performing those three lifts, the big bang-for-buck movements will have the biggest impact on body composition over a 12-week period or over any period, really. Yeah. So I know, obviously, you're all more focused on strength, but you do train general population. What is your philosophy with, uh, with lifting heavy objects to develop body composition? Well, I used to train with body composition as my main focus, actually. Like I said, my wife, who's uh, not a bad sort, you know, wanted me to look the part, and so it was kind of training to impress her. Mm-hmm. And I trained a typical Arnold Schwarzenegger approach, you know, hypertrophy, bodybuilding as a goal. And probably after about three or four years training this way, I hit a plateau that I did not know why I couldn't get past. Uh, I employed a strength coach actually and he showed me how to progress in numbers and when I dropped my focus from looking in the mirror and started uh, paying attention to progressing weekly or every session or you know hitting goals which were numbers and not uh, aesthetic based it was kind of like hey presto you know I started looking better and uh, that plateau was broken so that's why my focus is definitely not aesthetic based I do a lot of my training uh, in the absence of mirrors and also with my clients and uh, yeah we set numbers as goals rather than uh, like I said aesthetic goals and a lovely little side effect is they end up looking good as well yeah yeah, I mean, that's i got to agree there and, and the way I periodize uh, my programming for, for my guys is always every uh, phase they go through will we'll have all those movements in there. It will be a, a deadlift variation, a, a squat variation and, a, and uh, a pressing variation. But 
Do you feel that just getting a weight, because everyone gets obsessed with body comp and, and what's the secret formula and uh, metabolic type training, this and that. I think if you brush all that aside and just concentrate on getting the, the individual strong, lifting those big movements, like you're sort of suggesting, the rest falls into place. Sure, sure. And it's not only that, it's kind of perfecting the technique. A lot of people, they kind of, too much variation in their training. Variation is mm. a great thing. And I do follow that principle, but people aren't mastering these main lifts and there's a lot to it it's uh, it's simple but you can still master these techniques and you know that's what my programs are based around it's these three lifts like I said I'm not a power lifter per se but you know pick a sport and I always say this pick a sport that doesn't involve squatting bench pressing or deadlifting for their strength training and I'll show you a sport that's not worth playing yeah well, you had a couple of boxes in the gym today so crazy day crazy day they were both bench pressing today Friday they'll come in and they'll squat. Mm. And I think on Monday they were deadlifting. Monday they were deadlifting. Very <laughs> simple. In fairness, after each workout, they then had to do a, a pretty grueling little workout on the prowler track. Yeah, yeah. We, we chuck in this stuff as well. These guys uh, are conditioning. They're, they're at the start of their block at the moment. Uh, yeah. They're about 16 weeks away from their fight and about 20 kilograms overweight. <laughs> <laughs> poor, poor Dave. Yeah. I don't know. I want to be in his shoes, man. <laughs> are you sorting out their nutrition as well? Sure am. I've got them uh, on a nutrition plan, and it's also very simple. Uh, I don't count calories. We count macros to an extent, and you know, because it's a weight class, we get them to jump on the scales. We use that very closely. Oh, jeez. Old school using scales. Very, very old school. It's 105 kilos is what he needs to get to. You know, it's like the way with my training. I need to be in the 90 kilo class, and very, very simple nutrition philosophy that I have is if I'm heavier than 90. I eat less. If I'm lighter, I eat more. <laughs> Man, that sounds crazy. Yeah. I, I was uh, I was actually talking to someone about you the other day, and um, you know I think that lifting heavy will put mass on, but you know you need to uh, obviously have hypertrophy is the goal, a bit of volume in there too. Your auxiliary lifts a bit of volume, but your your big moves at the start, and then you know you get stronger and stronger, lift heavier and heavier, but your weight stays about the same. Are you doing that by watching what calories get? Like, okay, we don't we don't count calories, but what food goes in? if you start getting definitely, too heavy definitely. like you just said you just eat a bit less yeah so I mean if I'm if I'm light which is generally not the case I will eat more cheat meals actually yeah. I'm always eating very clean foods uh, you know my wife she's uh, very pro organic and pro yeah. I'm not going to say paleo because that's being uh, shat on these yeah. days it's a paleo-ish we could say clean eating but uh, yeah it's uh, food that's not in packets you know meat vegetables uh, she doesn't eat refined sugars. I do, if I'm light. Yep. Uh, but uh, you know, I'm I'm very easy going with my food. But she's my wife, and she cooks for me, so I eat it. You know, I'm a lazy bugger. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, we've got our uh, cheat meal of the week segment coming up in just a few yeah. minutes after this. What's your cheat meal of choice? It has been milk and cookies, actually. Oh. Uh, Anzac cookies. Mm. Yeah. And uh, I shouldn't say it on this radio, but they're not gluten-free either. Oh, jeez. Get out. Get out. How'd you go? <laughs> and full-fat milk, non-pasteurized, non-homogenized. Milk and cookies. Very like good. Like Santa. Maybe uh, a little blankie over the toes, so, watching a bit of TV as well. Perfect. Yeah, nothing perfect. wrong with that. Yeah. In our program of the week this week, Sab, we, we were talking about wave loading as a method to build strength. Is that a training protocol you have adopted with success yourself definitely, and with your clients? Definitely, definitely. Now, there's um, a lot of interpretations of wave loading, different ways of, of wave, wave loading, but I, I do it very regularly. I'll set a program for any of my athletes, but then when they're training with me, 
I kind of put that program in the wind, uh, out in in the rubbish bin actually, and um, <laughs> we wave load. It's kind of it's like neural ramping kind of thing yeah. uh, to uh, engage the athlete's nervous system and allow them to lift the heaviest weight possible. Mm. And that's my thing: get them to lift heavy. And it's something that uh, is very rewarding when an athlete comes to you and uh, they're hitting a PB every single time they see you. It kind of makes you worth their money. What about uh, when the guys aren't hitting the numbers? Uh, are you sort of uh, very intuitive? Do you sort of just deload them when they like, look like, like they like need it? Exactly, exactly. Like I said, uh, it's it's very intuitive. The training when I'm with my athlete, it's all intuition training. Yeah. I can't teach someone to be intuitive and go off by themselves and do it. Yeah. So they follow the plan. But then when they're, when they're with me, uh, it's all intuition training. So if they don't hit their max while they're with me or the number that they were supposed to get according to program yeah. uh, my intuition kicks in and we say okay we're not going to hit a PB here let's uh, let's go around the corner and let's uh, achieve another personal goal so they're always walk- walking out of the training session happy training awesome. morale and enjoying your training is a very very big part of progression yep. and you know when your athletes hate training they don't they stop progressing yeah mm. So, so happiness yeah yeah no, that is something that, uh, that I definitely agree with whenever I see you training I don't think I've ever seen you come in and, and be unhappy it's always hey Gordon, how you doing give me a high five You've got the <laughs> headphones on dancing yeah, a little jig yeah yeah jig around yeah, yeah. <laughs> the shirt comes off soon you know we, we do allow that on a rare occasion at the CHPC you know as long as you but put it on within 10 minutes that's it as long as it's back on and as long as you lift a decent number true true that but yeah, there's one thing that, that I would say is you always, and even at the end of the session, you know, you're still smiling, enjoying it, and, and you sort of uh, skip out the door almost. You know, it, it is really uh, inspiring, man. It, 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 I do get excited to go lift heavy shit after I've watched you lift. Yeah. It's, it's good. Infectious. Well, thank you. It's, uh, it's good that you noticed that. Uh, <laughs> I always say to people, it doesn't matter how much you can lift if you're a shit person. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of people yeah. out there that just uh, they think that uh, lifting big is the be all and end all. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, it's a great thing. It's a great trait to have to be strong. But it's an even better trait to have to be a good person. Definitely. Now, the founder of Clean Health, which we referred to earlier in the interview, uh, Dane McDonald, Seb, you and he have been putting together a couple of seminars to present and coach on those three big lifts and, and also maximizing strength in the gym and I guess that's a, an area having been to those that you really look like you enjoy being in front of a crowd and presenting is that where you're sort of shifting your focus a little bit more these days definitely definitely I mean working with Dane is a great uh, little affiliation because he and I have very similar beliefs my expertise is more towards the lifting and his is uh, very much towards the nutrition which is what I lack and uh, you know he Mm. makes up for it so it's a very good synergy we have going on but uh, it's kind of I get up on stage and and last weekend for example we had a seminar training the strength athlete and I began the seminar by hitting a one rep max front squat now to be honest with you I didn't do a single bit of preparation for this uh, seminar Mm. all I did was prep for this front squat you know, the night before, it was all about, you know, my cheap meal, my comfort meal, which was my cookies yeah. and milk, and uh, making <laughs> sure I did what it took to get this number. And then, you know, we just talk shit. And yeah. We get up and, and uh, everyone likes to hear what I do with my training. I know it's not too complex for me, so I don't overthink it. Yeah. And I don't try and uh, overcomplicate things. Get up and just show them what I do. Uh, you know, hitting a 220 kilo front squat was a, a lovely little milestone of mine. And, you know, when you do that in front of a crowd, they kind of think, all right, he obviously knows a thing or two. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to know that as well. 
for sure. And yeah, like I said, I don't even plan these things. I just uh, talk about what I do. Yeah. So radio is obviously not quite as tactile as being in front of a group of people, mate, where you can sort of grab and push and position and to cue. But let's go through the lifts then, hey? Well, we'll start with the squat because you're talking about that. What are one or two take-home points you the, can There's a few that I'm going to tell you for every lift, actually. All right. Good. Pen and paper out. Yeah, if you pen and paper out. So it's something um, I say, uh, you know, pick your dot up. It's uh, for the, the technical guys out there. There's a, a bone on your sternum called the xiphoid process. It's the very tip of it. Keep it simple. Let's call it your dot. Pick it up. Okay. It's part of keeping your chest up. Now, something else I have uh, to continue with this is uh, putting your scapulars or your shoulder blades in your back pockets. It's all part of that whole position, chest up, shoulder blades back and down in your back pockets. It's not just for the squat or the deadlift or the bench press or the chin up or the lat pull down or every single thing. Yes. Or or even walking around in the street like an alpha male. Yeah. Scaps in your back pockets, pick your dot up. Okay, so that's that's probably one of my favourite ones. Yeah. Uh, and it's easy to think about and it's easy to do once you explain it that way. And I can confirm you actually do that day-to-day <laughs> life, walking around with your <laughs> hands in the back pocket, chest up. He walks around like he's carrying a couple of that's suitcases. It. Hey, it. It's, it's it. tough being alpha male, but yeah. someone's got to do hey, it, you look. know. Cookies and milk for dessert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's real, alpha. that's real alpha. <laughs> Full <laughs> fat milk, though. Well, look, only a true alpha could get away with it. Yes. <laughs> true. Oh, I love it. All right. Okay, so so there's that. Uh, and then it's um, tightness. Mm. Tight, tight, tight. Every single lift, tightness includes breath or holding it or not breathing at all. Big breath, hold your breath and hold your body as tight as it can. And, uh, you know, a lot of the positions that we get in, a lot of the arches for the bench presses and the hand position on barbells for squats and so on, uh, forces the body to be as tight as possible. Now, that's something that I can't explain or, sh- or demonstrate on radio. Yeah. But yeah, tightness, holding your breath, shoulder blades in your back pocket. And then it's kind of just intensity, you know. I had a coffee with uh, someone before and they were asking me which muscle groups that I use for, I don't even know what what, mus- <laughs> what, what exercise it was. It was deadlift or something like that. And I said, well, the main one's your soul. Yeah. And he kind of looked at me and he said, well, oh, <laughs> you know, agreeing before you, you make the lift to actually uh, will that weight up. Uh, it's a big part of it. It's not actually a normal thing to do to pick up, you know, three times, three and a half times body weight. And so it's very, very mental, you know. Like I said, it's, it's using your soul to get that weight up. Well, that's a good good tip. I must say also, whenever I have seen you about to go into a lift, it, it really does look like you've made the lift before you do it. You exactly, know I mean? exactly. It's like a, the expression on your face. Is it's something that, you know, I do a lot of reading. I'm a little bit of a geek as well. And... and my reading comes from people that have actually done it and it's you know pro athletes in in lifting sports strength sports and uh, that's something that uh, I've read and that is that they do the lift twice uh, once in the warm-up room in their brain and then once out on stage yeah so I live it in their head and then they actually do the lift I do every lift that I that I make I've done it before in my head just before I do yeah Yeah. awesome I love it yeah Sebastian it's uh, been enlightening having yeah. you in here mate we appreciate you your time and your, your expertise gracing uh, under the bar love it no doubt we'll see you uh, under the bar again very soon definitely definitely will probably thanks, tomorrow Baz. actually thank you guys for having me thanks Baz yes uh, that was Sebastian Oreb from Australian Strength Coach and I forgot to mention Rawdon that Sebastian and the founder Dane 
yes. hosting a series of training the strength athlete seminars. Yep. And they have a, a strong practical component. Sebastian taking you through all the lifts. Uh, well, uh, well, last uh, the last one he punched out, uh, I think it was a two twenty front squat. Front yeah? squat, yeah. Crazy. Um, but he'll get people, all the people that are there, they get a chance to hop under the bar and he'll critique their uh, technique. And then Dane, of course, will be taking through some fairly advanced nutritional strategies. Supplementation, and yeah. Nutritional programming for strength athletes. So there is a, um, a seminar on Friday, the 5th of December. That's a level one. Yep. And then on Saturday, the 6th and Sunday, the 7th is the level two. So you could just do the level one if you're dipping your toes in. But if you're um, looking to get full bang for buck bang out for of buck. those three days, sign up for both level one, level two. That's Friday through Sunday, the 5th and the 7th of December. Awesome. Uh, supplement of the week oh yes and creatine is what we're having a look at today it's a it's a supplement which can certainly increase power output and uh, energy stores within the muscle it can boost your anabolic response to training and uh, it can also decrease uh, oxidative stress so they tell me buffer lactic acid perhaps perhaps Rawdon mm. oh that's my cue to take over alright Tom yeah look uh, creatine is something that, that I've used for many years and and I guess it's uh, if you were going to describe one supplement that, that uh, is probably going to have the most profound, generally the most profound impact on strength, it would be creatine. Yeah. Um, but you know, you go into the average, you go, you go zip down to the CHPC and say, you know, stand up on the bench and, and say who uses creatine and who got great results. You probably get a mixed uh, response, and some yes. people seem to get a really profound uh, benefit in, I guess, hypertrophy, but really significantly in strength then other people cycle it you know and, and they see no perceived benefit whatsoever yeah. so there's sort of mixed reactions out there there is um, a reason for that yeah yeah basically um creatine is produced in the body anyway you can get it from foods it's in red meats and and, and various other foods um but when you when you cook it it decreases you don't get too much from um from food but you can get it from foods uh but the body can also it's produced in the liver the body can actually produce it as well out of the amino acids uh, l-arginine l-glycine and uh methionine so the body can make it you know you yep. don't necessarily need to have to take it to be a strong dude strong mofo but if you don't hold or, or, or store much because stored in the muscle 90 95% of creatine stored in the muscle yep. so if you're an individual that just doesn't you, you, just the way you're made um, if you don't store creatine very efficiently then when you supplement creatine you're going to notice a significant increase of, right. in, in your ability basically creatine is used in the process of, of producing energy um, so that without going into too much detail you know the ADP back to AT basically energy and that reforming of energy um, that's what creatine is used for so uh, I guess you have an improved ability to repeat this, uh, that strength feed or those reps those heavy loads over and over and over if you have high creatine stores so that energy system that you're using can be replenished much more efficiently if you have an abundant supply of creatine stored in the muscle um, so it's, it's to do with energy systems, but that type of energy system that you're going to use with relative strength work or uh, yes. or neural type dra- training, you know, 100 meter sprint, those very short, intense bouts of, of effort. That's yep. where creatine is going to play a role. But has been shown to um, reduce lactic acid, so it's going to help to some degree with your volume type training too. 
but yeah, that's that's where you know some individuals will, will have a massive benefit and others not so much. They just you know I might be very low on creatine stores so when I supplement. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm strong and I do notice it. Yeah. Whereas you might just be efficient at storing a lot of creatine and you know so for you it's not going to have a significant. Whether impact. I take a ton of it or not, it doesn't seem to make that much difference. Yeah. yeah. You know, I guess there's a few you know issues out there. Well, it, it does get a bit of a bad rap at gets times. It a bit of a bad rap. There's no actual clear, conclusive studies that have shown that it's detrimental to health, but there's some uh, hypotheticals where if you have uh, issues with kidneys, uh, the byproduct of when, when creatine is broken down, it, it uh, converts to creatinine, and then that is what the kidneys will uh, process to get it out, excrete it yeah. in urine. So, you know, if you had kidney issues, then you probably wouldn't be supplementing uh, creatine. But remember, your body produces anyway, so you're going to have it anyway, yeah. so it's sort of like... And I also think, you know, with what the research has shown these days is the dosage required to top up the muscle reserves are so it's minimal... Not, yeah, it's not much. That, um, it's sort of like a maintenance. I mean, the, the consensus is, you know, if you're going to load it, uh, a teaspoon is about five grams, so if you were loading it, you would do five uh, teaspoons a day, so about 25 grams a day for about five days. Then thereafter, it's just one teaspoon a day. You're just yeah. topping up your stores. So you, you, yeah, you can put it around training, but it's already stored in the muscle, so it doesn't. It's going to be there to be used anyway. Yep. And when you train, you deplete it, and then you can put it in. So you can put it post-workout, pre-workout. There's no real significant, I think, anyway, having it before and after. And remember, the whole time, it's just our opinion on things, and uh, backed up with a bit of science and research from time to time, of course. Yep. But yeah, I haven't seen a perceived benefit when I've had it before or after. So yeah, kidney concerns, maybe uh, not, but for everyone else, um, there's very little issues with, with supplementing creatine. The issue will be you you may get quite strong. Yeah. Creatine monohydrate is the one that's had all the quality research done on it, so that I think needs to be your go-to. There are different triphosphate and creatine malate and all these types of things, but creatine monohydrate, that would be what you use. It can upset the stomach uh, for some individuals. So if you do get a bit of cramping and things like that, uh, try reducing the dose or um, for you, you know, maybe try and get it from foods and, and whatnot. It might not work. And that has been the program Under the Bar, the Clean Health Podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you are going to work out, maybe uh, slide in a couple of unilateral pulls or rows Can't go wrong, Tom. into the routine. Essential for anyone who sits at a desk. They will improve posture and the musculature of the upper back. Mm. And uh, look, scapular stabilization equals a carryover to all of those big movements in the Fundamental. Gym, as Sebastian mentioned when we had him on. Definitely. And if you want a, uh, some wings, yeah, you can't go wrong. You've got to throw some back in there. Fiber. Bad food equals bad bacteria and high inflammation. Good food, good food for your bacteria, i.e. fibre, means uh, low inflammation and a healthy body. 50 grams a day, yeah. Wave loading. If you've been training in the gym for a while, hit a few plateaus with your size and strength. Try a wave load method. Go to our website and download it. It's a a go-to program for those initial phases of uh, doing some low rep work. And Sebastian Uh, loves it too. Challenging and mentally engaging. Definitely. Creatine, our supplement of the week. Really good for those uh, people who do have low creatine stores. Great to improve your strength. And uh, it's one of the few supplements which is actually backed by some pretty sound research. Yeah, there's lots of, lots of good quality research out there. So um, if you want to get strong, you, you can't go wrong. That's the program. <laughs> Join us again next week. See you. Thanks, guys.